podcast. I am back finally with another episode. I'm so happy to finally record this. Honestly, um, I feel like it's been way too long since I've done it. Also, first of all, I would like to thank everyone for the very honest feedback I have received. Um, it really helps me a lot um, if it's good or bad feedback because I'm here to improve. I'm here to share good information with you and help you in your transition in, into veganism or if you're already a vegan to learn more about it. So yeah, that's my goal and I can only become better if you really give me some feedback. So just feel free to always do that. And again, thank you so much. So... In my last episode, I didn't talk about the crazy fact that I promised I was going to do that at the end of every episode. Um, so this episode, I will do that again. I'll hit you with some crazy facts. And yeah, let's get into it. So in the last episode, as I mentioned, I was talking about critical nutrients on a vegan diet. And I will be doing this again. So this this is the second part of it. Um and yeah, and I would like to start with iodine. And iodine is seen as a globally critical nutrient. And honestly, I feel like it's one of the most overlooked ones for health, not only in veganism, but in general. So I personally haven't really looked into it for way too long. And I didn't realize how important it is, especially for thyroid function. So it's a cofactor of thyroid hormones. And thyroid hormones are a component of the protein, fat, and carbohydrate metabolism, and they play a role in growth and differentiation processes. So, for example, brain development and also in bone formation. Um, so, actually, iodine and selenium go hand in hand. So, we do need both in order for, for it to function properly. And we can also see that all of the nutrients um, in our body do play or interact with each other. So if you're low on iodine, there are some symptoms um, that a lot of people might experience, and one of them is a metabo metabolic disorder. So a person might start gaining weight if iodine is too low. Um, and actually, in most parts of the world, the soil is very poor in iodine, um, so therefore the content in, of iodine in plants is also very low. So that's why, especially in veganism, it's very difficult to get iodine through plants. Um, iodine is also added to animal feed. So if you're an omnivore, um, you might be getting iodine from, from meat sources. Um, if you're vegan, there are a few sources um, that you can make sure of to get iodine from. I personally like to use iodized salt. I have an organic one and I add it to my meals regularly, but you have to make sure to add it to your cold meals. As if you add it to your meals while cooking, most of the iodine gets lost uh, due to the heat. Um, also, sometimes iodine is added to bread and ready-made meals. It depends where in the world you live. Um, and yeah, I think it can be a good source of iodine, but personally, I wouldn't rely on it too much. Another good source is seaweed, nori, or kelp tablets. And also only use supplements when you know you have an iodine deficiency and it has been diagnosed by a doctor. So yeah, the next one, which I really like to talk about, is calcium. I mean, if we ask, let's say, the average person on the street, what is, you know, the number one source of calcium, most people will say dairy milk, right? Um, this is due to an amazing marketing out there, you know, the dairy industry did a great job um, making us believe that Dairy is the only and ultimate source of calcium. But actually, there are 
a few studies that show that a high consumption of milk is associated with high rates of osteoporosis. Um, and this is linked to, of course, the protein in dairy, which increases the acidity of blood. So it can be kind of controversial. In, in, in addition to that, I must say that milk also has a lot of other uh, compo compounds that you don't want in your own body. So this is going to be part of another podcast episode. But again, calcium can be seen as a critical nutrient in the vegan diet, but it is also a critical nutrient on an omnivore or a vegetarian diet. So it doesn't really matter what kind of diet you have. But you know what? Plants have calcium and actually plenty of it. So calcium is just like any other mineral or just like any other mi mineral comes from soil and is taken in by the plants. So calcium from animal products such as dairy also firstly comes from plants which is consumed by the animal. So therefore actually plant products are the first and most natural source of calcium. And most people don't know that which is kind of mind-blowing because again if you ask someone, they all of them will say dairy. Um, and also, what do we need calcium for? Most of us know it's part of our bones and teeth. It is also important for blood clotting and intracellular signal transmission. So there are a few things that can increase or inhibit the absorption of calcium. So if you really want to make sure you're getting the amount of calcium your body needs, there's, there's a few things that you can do. Um, so in order to increase the calcium absorption, it's also very important to have enough vitamin D in your body, as I mentioned in the previous episode. So if you have enough vitamin D, it will help the regulation of calcium in the body. Um, and you can get vitamin D, especially through sufficient cyanide exposure. Um, and also you can increase um, the calcium absorption with um, specific organic acids, such as lactic acid and citric acid, or some amino acids such as lysine and arginine. And they also improve resorption, as I mentioned. There are also a few compounds that can inhibit resorption of calcium. And um, honestly, I would just say the most important one is coffee or tea. So consumption of, of both of it. Maybe it would be best to just make sure to not drink coffee or tea two hours uh, before and two hours after a meal. As this can really inhibit the resorption of calcium. And also, honestly, working out regularly helps build strong bones. So you shouldn't overlook that part. So what are some plant foods that have calcium? Great sources are broccoli, kale, rocket, peas, soy products, dried fruit, seeds such as sesame, chia, hemp, poppy, poppy seeds, um, nuts such as almonds and Brazilian nuts, mineral water and pseudocereals like amaranth. So you can see there are a lot of plant foods that have calcium. So honestly, you do not have to worry about it if you make sure you, you uh, incorporate those products into your diet. So the next one is B2. Um, B2 is also called riboflavin. Um, and why do we need B2 or what do we need B2 for? So B2 has an antioxidative effect. It protects the nerve cells. It is mostly important to help the body break down carbohydrates, proteins, and fats to produce energy. So you can see it's quite important in, in our body. So if you're on an omnivore diet, main sources are dairy and meat. Though, honestly, if you are on a vegan diet, you usually do not have to worry about it if 
you eat enough whole grains, nuts and seeds. And I personally, I eat a lot of nuts and seeds. I think it's so important in my diet. It's healthy fats. Um, it's also for women, it's important to have enough healthy fats in your body. So don't underestimate it. There's a few things that you have to maybe make sure of doing when you want to make sure you get enough B2 in your diet. Um, B2 is very highly sensitive to light. So riboflavin or B2 should be stored in dark places. Also, when you prepare the food, it is important to steam it. It's also kind of part of a lot of nutrients. If you, if you want to make sure to keep nutrients in your food, it's probably best not to cook them or heat them up too much because a lot of nutrients get lost. Um, so you can actually reduce losses during, um, during the cooking by using the water as well. So for example, if you prepare soups or anything like that, just keep using the water as you will keep all of the nutrients in. Um, and there are losses of about 20% during the cooking process of B2. It all, again, depends on what kind of nutrients we are looking at. So great plant sources, as I mentioned before, are seeds, nuts, also green vegetables like broccoli, mushrooms, tempeh, nutritional yeast, and whole grains. Um, sometimes there are also products that are fortified with riboflavin, such as plant milks. It kind of also depends where you're from. And important, or I, I think it's kind of interesting to know as well, is riboflavin can be ma mainly found in the layers of grains. So it is best to consume whole grains as they have the highest amounts of riboflavin. Again, whole grains are always better than refined grains in any type of way. So yeah, just make sure to, to choose whole grains over refined ones. Um, and also sprouting whole grains and legumes increases the amount of riboflavin. So um, this is also a great way to just make sure you, you're getting enough in. And now the last one, which is selenium. Also, this has been one that I haven't really looked at too much before uh, I started studying vegan nutrition. Um, and I wasn't really aware about selenium and what, it, what, it, what we need it for. And it is also important for thyroid gland function, our immune system, the reproduction... And it is component of the antioxidative protective system. I know it sounds fancy, but just for you to get an idea. So again here, selenium is dependent on the amount of selenium in soil, which varies hugely um, in Europe, as um, their selenium in soil is very scarce. Whereas, for example, in North America, some regions are very high in selenium or the soil is very high in selenium. So it really depends where you're from, especially vegans or vegetarians have to make sure to get an adequate amount of selenium. As again, I mentioned, it really depends on the amount the plants have and where you're from. Good foods, food sources are cabbages, bulb vegetables, broccoli, lentils, asparagus, mushrooms. I personally, what I do is um, eat a Brazil nut every day because one Brazil nut has the amount of selenium that we need. So... Eating one a day can really improve the selenium status of your, of your body. And just generally speaking, it's always great to make regular blood checks to make sure there are no deficiencies in your body. And if there are any, then you can start supple uh, supplementing. But I wouldn't just do it because you want to do it and you're not sure what your body actually needs. So that was it. Now I would like to talk about the crazy fact and something that I also didn't know, and I didn't really, I don't know, I didn't really think about it too much until recently where I was like, hey, so I'm vegan, right? But what does veganism mean and when was it created? So veganism was created in 1944. So that was also the first time the word was actually introduced. 
Donald Watson and his five other vegetarian friends had a meeting to discuss the importance of vegetarian diets and the lifestyles. And since all of them were actually already following a non-dairy vegetarian diet, they also felt like they needed to find a new word, which would give this new movement a better meaning. And so they used the three words of vegetarian and they created the word vegan. And Donald Watson called it the beginning and an end of vegetarian. How cool is that? <laughs> I mean, I wish one day I could create something out of nowhere, maybe not out of nowhere, but something that really changes the world and, you know, people can remember forever. So yeah, that was a little bit of a crazy fact at the end of this episode. I really hope you learned something. I really hope you enjoyed it. I always have fun doing it. I always have fun sharing stuff with you. Again, any feedback is appreciated in any kind of way, if it's on Instagram or if it's through uh, iTunes, whatever. Um, I'm here. I want to improve. I want to help you guys. So yeah, thank you so much for taking some time of your day and listening to this podcast. It really, really means the world to me. And I hope to hear you in my next episode. Bye-bye.